as Netflix and similar streaming services have created the phenomenon known as binge watching, watching an entire season of a show or even the entire series in a short period of time. It's also created a new feature, and I don't know if you all have noticed this, the, it's the ability to skip a common feature of serial television series, those shows in which the story continues from one week to the next. When you watch one episode right after another on Netflix, they'll skip the recap of what happened last week, assuming that if you're watching them all at once, you don't need a reminder of what you just saw. And no, I'm not talking about Game of Thrones this evening. And yes, I am one of those people who have never seen Game of Thrones. It's okay, I'm all right. <laughs> I am talking about our Torah. And with Torah readings, while one could, of course, binge read, for most of the Jewish world, we read the Torah portion of the week, which means for most of us, unless you've started following our Instagram weekly Minute of Torah videos, or if you attend Torah study each Saturday morning, we really only know the week's Torah portion if we happen to be at Shabbat services in a given week. And even then, only if that service happens to be a week during which Rabbi Cantor or I are talking about the Torah portion. And seeing as last week we talked about Passover, the week before that actually was Passover, the week before that was a family service, and the week before that was Brotherhood Shabbat with a special guest speaker, it's been five weeks since we've talked about the weekly Torah portion at our Friday night service. Lucky for us, this week's Torah portion begins with a recap of what you might have missed. <laughs> Actually, going back three weeks ago to the Torah portion called Shmini. This week's Torah portion begins, God spoke to Moses after the death of the two sons of Aaron who died when they drew too close to the presence of the Lord. This recap is a reminder of the two sons of Aaron named Nadav and Avihu, who six chapters earlier in our Torah were consumed by a divine fire after offering an improvised sacrifice, one that was not commanded by God. Now to understand this, we would need the what you missed last week for that episode as well going back to the beginning of the book of Leviticus, which begins with instructions for the priests of how they were to perform the daily sacrifices. The story of Nadav and Avihu was to teach how important it was that those rules were followed exactly, that there was no improvisation from the priests, providing a warning of what would happen otherwise. So now that we're all caught up, we come back to this week's Torah portion, Acharemot, literally after the death. And our reminder of that pyrotechnic ending of Nadav and Avihu 
comes right before Moses and Aaron are given the specific ritual that is to be followed by Aaron and the priests on Yom Kippur. While there were the daily sacrifices that were explained at the beginning of the book of Leviticus, and among those there would be offerings for atonement of any one individual's sins, there was this once a year sacrifice of all sacrifices that would serve as the expiation for the community's sins on Yom Kippur. So, one more recap, just in case. The book of Leviticus began with all of the daily rules for the priests, followed by a story of two priests who chose not to follow those rules, serving as a warning for what would happen to those who chose not to follow the rules in the future. Then we broke away for a few chapters. We haven't talked about this yet, and we're not really going to. We have the laws of Kashrut. We saw the priests in action, determining uh, whether or not rashes or mold were pure or not. And now, before we get back to laws having to do with sacrifice, we're reminded about Nadav and Avihu. The priests are put on warning early this time. Before the laws are even given, they're told, make sure you don't repeat Nadav and Avihu's error. Learn from their mistakes. Do things the way you're supposed to do them. And we can assume there wouldn't have been this reminder unless there was a feeling that the priests were likely to repeat those mistakes. Repeating mistakes has been a problem for a long time. Yesterday morning, Rabbi Farb, Rabbi Hershen from Rodef Shalom and I arrived at Likes Gaslight Park downtown at 6.30 in the morning to set up tents and sound equipment for our Yom HaShoah commemoration. We placed signs around the park so that those driving south on Tampa Street would see the words, Tampa remembers the victims of the Holocaust, and those driving west on Kennedy would see the words, never forget. Those who entered the park heard the names of Jewish victims of the Holocaust read by 72 volunteer readers over the course of the next 12 hours. Each name, each name that was read was a reminder of what can happen if we don't learn from modern society's most egregious mistake. Shadowing over our commemoration was the fact that this past Saturday a shooter had entered a Chabad synagogue outside of San Diego, killing one and injuring three. Terror that was only thwarted by a jammed gun and some extremely brave individuals. That this shooter had written a white nationalist anti-Semitic manifesto, one that we knew was being read and celebrated by others like him, American citizens who dream of killing like he did, who claim that they would like to see our country fulfill that which Hitler couldn't, was with us as we read each name. The memory of those who were murdered at the Tree of Life Synagogue in Pittsburgh only six months ago was with us as we read each name. And we also knew that last Thursday, 
An editorial cartoon appeared in the international edition of the New York Times that to so many of us served as a reminder of the kind of cartoons that might have been seen in 1930s Europe. And that too was with us as we read each name. Knowing that valid criticism of Israel is fair and part of an important political process, but that valid criticism of Israel doesn't have to include Benjamin Netanyahu portrayed as a dog with a Jewish star hanging around its neck and a large nose. The fact that the cartoonist went on to blame the Jewish propaganda machine for the response that ensued didn't make us feel any better. But we also knew the uprising that occurred against that hatred and that violence. And with each name we read, we also remembered the outpouring of love that had been received by us in our community and by Jewish communities around the country. We knew that the Tampa police on their own had provided extra officers to ensure that we were safe for our 12 hours. And we also knew that during those 12 hours, there were no visitors to that park that made us feel unsafe. We knew that among our readers were the new mayor of our city and prominent leaders of the Christian and Muslim community. And there would have been more community readers if we hadn't wanted to keep slots available for members of our community. There may be warning signs, but there are so many more signs that the America in which we have felt so comfortable is the America in which we still live. And if there are those who wish it were otherwise, they are still an extreme minority a minority of which we must be extremely careful, but a minority. That said, the reminder of Yom HaShoah can not only be for our own safety and security. And now we return to our Torah portion. Without stealing too much of Noah's thunder for tomorrow, which I'm not too worried about because his speech is really awesome, I'm going to teach a little bit about his speech topic, which comes from this week's Torah portion. And for that, we look to the Yom Kippur ritual of which God was commanding. Two goats were to be brought to the high priest. One was to be deemed pure and offered as a sacrifice to God. The other was to have placed upon it by the priest all of the Israelites' sins of the year that had passed. And then that goat was to be sent to wander off on its own toward a path that the Midrash tells us would lead to its falling off of a cliff to its somewhat messy death. This goat, biblically called the goat of Azazel, is the source for the term it would be called in the first English translation of the Torah, the escape goat, which would later be shortened to scapegoat, which is now defined as a person or group of people who are blamed for the problems of others, not because they're necessarily responsible for them, but because it's easier to blame them than to genuinely try to solve the problem. 
Are Jews still a scapegoat for many? Of course we are. Is that the only instance of scapegoating in our country today? Of course it is not. And if we find ourselves doing the same, saying it's all the left's fault, or it's all the right's fault, or it's all this religion, or people from that country, or anyone who happens to disagree with me's fault, then we too have to remember our warning. We too must not forget. As we'll be reminded shortly when we count the Omer, Yom HaShoah, the day on which we remember the victims of the Holocaust, is followed by Yom HaZikaron, the day next week on which we'll remember those who were killed defending the state of Israel. And then the next day, Yom HaAtzma'ut, the day on which we celebrate Israel's independence. These are all commemorations of modern events that fall within the time between Passover and Shavuot, the biblical reminders of our slavery and oppression in Egypt, the miraculous crossing of the Red Sea into freedom, and our receiving the Torah at Mount Sinai. The stories in our Torah, those which we recap and of which remind ourselves each year, contain steps both forward and backward as we made our historic way to where we needed to go. What should have been a short journey from Egypt to the Promised Land took us 40 years. There were steps forward, there were steps backward, but then there were steps forward again. And Ein Chadash Mitachat Hashamesh, there is nothing new under the sun. Every day we see reminders that we too will take steps backward as we continue to work toward moving forward. As we recall and as we remember, may we learn from our history and may we move ever closer to that which we will read, the words with which we'll open next week's Torah portion. Spoiler alert, as they say, that we may be holy. For in the words of our Torah, and in thousands of years of shared human experience and gained wisdom with all humanity, we have learned from our mistakes and our successes. And God has shown us what it is to be holy, to work with one another, to move forward beyond our differences, to live together in peace. Amen.